Good morning, church family. Are you excited to be here? That was okay. I'm glad you're here. Super glad you're here. We're going to continue in James chapter 2. Today we're in verses 18, 19, and 20. So hopefully you have your spot marked from weeks past. So James chapter 2, we're working through this whole section of faith without works. Actually, the whole book is kind of on faith without works. Because James wants us to not only realize that in our saving faith in Jesus Christ, we become new creatures. Like, our lives are going to change. Um, And we need to see evidence of that. There needs to be fruit. There needs to be some proof that you're a Christian. Uh, And so read with me James 2, 18 through 20. You all probably beat me there. Uh, Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? So we're continuing on this picture of James pretty much being blunt, like James is, that faith without works is dead. You've got to show some evidence. There's got to be proof of your faith. Uh, because if you just say you believe, I mean, the demons say they believe. And that's, I want to be a little bit different than what the demons are. Um, so I want to start off this morning with a little quiz. James has been quizzing us and giving us illustrations to work through. And I figured I want to do the same thing. So I need you to do something for me. I'm going to give you a statement, and you need to put your hand up for the first choice that your pastor would choose. So give you two choices. Hands up for the first choice. Keep your hands down for the second choice. Okay, let's do an example. I'll give you a super easy one. Hands up if I like, and it feels weird to say Pastor Randy. I did that first service. So this is my, how I would answer, okay, to see how well you know me. Would I choose Diet Coke so that's hand up or diet Dr. Pepper. Okay. Yeah, diet Dr. Pepper all day. I've talked about that. I've gotten in trouble for that. Um, the next one, hands up for this first. Keep down for the second. So hands up. I love the Dallas Cowboys. I love the Dallas Cowboys. Don't get all weird. <laughs> keep your hands down if I love the Washington Football Club or team, whatever y'all call each other. <laughs> By the way, how many of you have tried to purchase old Redskins stuff on the marketplace and all that? I'm like, that's not worth anything. No offense. All right, next one. Do I love Mexican food or seafood? Raise your hand for Mexican food or seafood. Yes, Mexican food all day. Let me tell you a gross secret. Not a secret. I had my two of my wisdom teeth out in my 40s. You're supposed to have soft food, right, after your wisdom teeth. And I had dry sockets, so this thing lasted a week. Do you know what my favorite snack was? Refried beans with cheese. Yes, it's soft. You don't have to chew it, right? It's safe. Anyway, um, all right, so hands up if I love cats or keep your hand down for dogs. Yes, I have a dog. I don't mind cats. I know I have cat people in my life. Uh, one more, and then we're gonna, sh- we're gonna shift to a different Question stuff. Um, so hands up if I love mountain biking. 
Keep your hand down if I love unicycling. All right. I've never tried unicycling. That could be fun. So now we're going to shift gears to yes or no. So yes, if, if you agree with what I believe or I'm doing, keep your hand down for no. Raise your hand if I love my family. My personal, like Carrie and the boys. All right, good answer, because they're watching, so thank you. <laughs> um, raise your hand if I love my church. Or keep it down if you don't think I do. I might be fired if some of you have your hands down. And then the last one, raise your hand if you think that I love Jesus. Keep your hands down if not. All right. So I have my job for today. So let me ask you this. How are you able to answer that quiz? How are you able to answer those things about me? Because I pray that those things are evident in my life. I've talked about them. If you've gone out to eat with me, if you've done trips with whatever, hopefully you know these things, especially the last three. But those things are evident in my life. There's proof that these are correct in how I live my life out. And that's where James is. We have a salvation in Jesus Christ. There's got to be proof. It's one thing to come forward, pray the prayer because you believe, and evangelists, and I remember doing a lot of evangelism stuff on summers on, when I was in college. Someone prayed and accepted Christ. You're like, yeah, they're set, they're locked in, and, and prayerfully they are. But it's more than just that. That's the first step. That's the acceptance as Christ says, Lord. We talked about being a, him being Lord of our life, boss of our life. If Christ is at work in our life and lording over our life, there's going to be changes. And that's what James is talking about. There's got to be evidence or proof that you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so it's amazing to come forward. It's am- Or you can pray at home wherever you accepted Christ. And that would be great to hear the testimonies of everyone. But it's it's more than that. That's the first piece. James is like, there's got to be now evidence of God molding you and making you to look more like Jesus. There's going to be changes. So this first verse, he's kind of breaking down this conversation that he's had. uh, Talking about faith. I have faith. You have works. Or he says, you have faith. I have works. And then he says, and I will show you my faith by my works. So there's three important pieces to this conversation that I want us to lock in. The first is faith alone. Uh, you have faith, and there is no proof in that. We just talked about that. You could claim that you have faith. You could claim that you prayed to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. But if there is not evidence after, then James says it's useless. It's a dead faith. And it's scary to think that you could come to church with all the right things to say, the right vocabulary. You could memorize verses. Have all your verses memorized from Vacation Bible School. Work on Romans 12. You could have all of that. Jesus, remember, is the right answer for 99% of all the Sunday school questions. Okay, You can learn all that. It can be head knowledge. You can go to seminary. Uh, you could study every day for the rest of your life and have amazing head knowledge. But that is just faith alone without works. If it's true faith, there is something that God is doing in your life. And... That real faith is visible to others. Show me the proof. Show me that when you say that you believe and you can even debate that you believe, show me the evidence in your life following that. So here's that first piece of faith alone. And then works. We haven't really talked about works alone, 
But do you know that works without faith is as useless as faith without works? People can, there are some amazing people in this world who think all they have to do is do good things, do good works, and they're going to make it to heaven. Because they've done more good works than they have bad works. But it's more than that. You've got to have Christ uh, and as your Savior. And yes, works is proof of our faith. So we are going to do works, but it is because of what God is doing in our life and in our faith. And we talked last week about works doesn't lead to faith. It doesn't come as a result of works. So our faith happens in Jesus Christ, and from our faith and salvation comes works in our life. So there are some amazing things. There are a number of non-Christian friends that I have or people I know that are even nicer than Christians. How sad is that? I'm sure you do too. Because they know how to be nice. They know how to treat others. They are amazing. But without Christ, they are lost. Uh, And they don't have that salvation and that faith that we have. So works alone. So James is like, it's not just faith without works. It's not works without faith. It's together. It's faith with works. You have to have faith. There is no one that can be so good that they can make it to heaven. There is only one person that ever was able to do that and ever will, and that's Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. So works alone isn't, isn't enough. It's both. Faith with works. So I will show you my faith by my works. True saving faith involves more than just professing and and claiming that you believe that Jesus is God's Son and God is the Father and the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. It's more than that. It's a, a life change that happens, a heart change. Let me give you an example of the importance to showing your faith or showing a belief that you have. So let's take a relationship. Let's take a dating relationship. If you entered into a dating relationship and you got to the point for the three big words, I love you, right? A little terrifying the first time to say that. But when you do, if there's no evidence after, then how is that person going to believe you? How is that? I would not be in my situation with Carrie, and, and she and I talked about this, so I have I have the okay for this. We just celebrated our 30 years. I guarantee you we would not have made it 30 days if I wasn't showing evidence of my love for Carrie. And that we didn't start off in the most romantic of ways. Okay, I was in college about to finish up my senior year of college. Carrie was at the church that I was an intern at in the college ministry. We did a lot of group activities together. And I was interested, but I had been burned recently. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go through all that drama again. Um, <clears throat> come to find out she had also been burned. So we were both like, you know, we're, we have no interest in any kind of lovey dovey stuff. Like, let's just be friends. We'll hang out with our group. <clears throat> Finally, I'm like, nah, that I can't let this one go. And so I called her up. I said, let's go talk. And this was the most unromantic, most logically based, intelligent conversation. Like, we had pros and cons list out, okay? She lived in Huntington Beach. We drove to the beach. 
Well, we got to talk this out because she was sensing something too. You know, how do you, how do you not? I mean, <laughs> right? Love you, babe. I know you're watching. So we sat down with the pros and cons and, and talked for a long time about, all right, do we really go, you know, do we sign this agreement to enter into a relationship with each other as boyfriend, girlfriend? And, and pretty pathetic. Not, re- I got romantic later, I promise you. Um, chocolates and flowers and all that stuff. But we sat there very logically, okay, does this make sense? And thank you, Jesus, that it made sense and happily ever after, blah, blah, blah. Um, pretty, guess he's going to be coming home with chocolate, chocolate and flowers. But I had to make sure that I proved to her that I loved her, that, that in this commitment, as unromantic as it was, I was going to love her for better, for worse, richer, for poorer, all the way through. And so far, so good. And that point, by the way, became a very important piece of our relationship to the point that when it was time to put the ring on the finger, I went back to that place because there's a pier right at Huntington Beach. Went back to the beach, asked her to marry me. She said yes right away. No hesitation. To the point that I even have that picture. If you've been in my office, a photo of the pier, that's where we got engaged. Actually, that's where we... I mean, we didn't really sign a contract, by the way, people, but that's where we talked about, do we do this? And any good relationship, any good marriage, you have to have proof that you love that person. In our relationship with Jesus Christ, there's got to be proof that you love Jesus. More than just showing up for church, more than just knowing the right answers for Sunday school and worship and singing your heart out, there's got to be an evidence, a life change. My life has changed because of Carrie in our relationship. There's going to be so much greater scale of change because of my love for Jesus Christ. And that's where James is, that it takes more. And so faith with works, and it's having that that love for Jesus that changes us, transforms us. It's one thing to say you love Jesus. It's another to have an outward love for Jesus, something that's evident. It's one thing to say that we love others. It's another for that love to be shown outwardly to others. And John 13, 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that word, if you have love for one another, it doesn't say if you say that you love one another. It's that you have love, that you are truly loving and on all levels Emotionally, the words that you say, the attitudes that you have, the way you treat others, there's got to be evidence of our faith in Christ Jesus to everyone around us. If you look at a tree that's supposed to bear fruit and there's no fruit in season, it's dead. There's got, you see the fruit of that tree during the season of growth for fruit to bear an example and a proof of your salvation in our relationship with Christ. So then good old James, Mr. Blunt, throws in a hard power punch. Because now that we've, we've kind of talked about faith and believing in God works, but you need faith to, to make it worthwhile, and now faith with works. So what does James do? He says, I'm so glad that you believe God. I'm so glad that you believe that God is one. And that's great, but the demons do also. 
So now he's really solidifying this picture of it is more than just believing. You've got to actually show it because even the demons believe. So James throws in this power punch. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10, 11, and 12. Ephesians 6, 10, 11, and 12. Because Satan's at work. Demons are real. They are doing everything in their power to throw us off track, to get us distracted, uh, to tempt us and get us away from this relationship that we have with God. So Ephesians 6, 10 through, 10 through 12, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Demons are at work. Satan's at work to throw us off. And we see how powerless they are as we see some of the interactions that they, the demons have with Jesus. And in Mark chapter 3, verse 11, here's the, here's some things that demons know and demons believe. They do know that Jesus is God's son. In Mark 3, it says, and whenever the unclean spirit saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. In Luke chapter 8, it talks about them believing in hell. Like they know where they're going to end up. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. And then in Mark 5, they actually even submit to the power of Jesus' words. Mark 5, 7 through 8 says, And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you do? What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And then Jesus allowed the spirits to go into the pigs and the pigs ran into the sea and died. And so Jesus, even his power, the demons know the power of Jesus and as the son of God. And so the demons, I don't want to believe what the demons believe. I don't know if I'm with you. I don't want to be in that same camp. Here's actually the enemy of God knowing probably even more than some Christians and believers that who God is and the power of God. Do you realize that there are no atheist or agnostic demons? Because they believe in God. They know who he is. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. That phrase that James uses, you believe that God is one, is part of the Shema. The Shema is an important piece of the Jewish culture and religion. It is a prayer that is prayed twice a day. It is, it is a part of who they are to the point that it is this almost pledge of allegiance, this hymn of praise that the Jews have in their tradition. And James knows this in this culture that he's writing. So let me read to you Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Amazing, right? That is exactly where we need to be. That is the greatest command. But the demons believe the same thing. So where's the change? Where's the proof that our Savior, Jesus Christ, has changed and transformed our life? Now, the demons don't have a choice. They don't have a chance. They're not going to 
believe that and then Jesus is going to save them, they are creatures that are always going to hate God and always be in a wrong situation to where they, they're, they're demons. They're of Satan and they are going to be, they they don't have the salvation that we are going to have access to as believers in Christ Jesus. And so here's Satan that knows what we know. Here's the demons that believe what we believe. And they're, one of their major strategies isn't for, for them to try to convince us that God doesn't exist because they know he exists, right? One of their greatest strategies is for them to say, hey, I believe this stuff too. You can believe in God the Father. You can believe that Jesus is God's son. You can believe in the Holy Spirit. And you can even pray for salvation. But then don't live your life out. Don't let anything change. You can go back to your sinful life, your sinful ways, and live out the rest of your days. Now, I'm not saying if you have prayed and confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior and have kind of not quite made it to where you want to be that you're not saved. That's not anything that I'm saying. But it's one thing just to profess one time and not have a life change. It's another to say, Jesus, be Lord of my life, be boss of my life. Then there's going to be change because the Holy Spirit is at work in us. Christ is in us doing his work. And there will be a change that comes out. Now, are we successful at it? No stinking way. We have so much to to get done. But knowing that it's more than just words, that there's got to be fruit in our life. And so the demons believe and they shudder. This is so much more than the man or the person that doesn't have, or that has faith without works. James says it's dead. Here the demons believe these things about God and they shudder. And it's a fear, it's a horror, it's a terrified knowledge of what their end game is going to be because of God Almighty. Where our response to God as Savior is going to be one of glory and one of awe and one of wonder and yes, one of fear. Uh, I think of Aslan and with C.S. Lewis. Here's a picture of a lion. Uh, we sang that in one of the songs earlier. A lion would be terrifying knowing that it could destroy me. But here's a picture of God who has the power, who has his might, and but also this loving God, this God that forgives and allowed us to be in a right relationship with him, a God that cares for us. And here, that's the worship that we give to God, this healthy fear of our sin, that we are not in the right place, and we have sin that we've got to deal with, but knowing that God Almighty, our God, who through Christ Jesus allowed a right relationship with him through Jesus' shed blood, by the power of the Holy Spirit for us to be in a right relationship. That's the difference between us and demons. And thank you, Jesus, that we have that opportunity. And so James has pretty much said, it's, I mean, the demons believe this. There's got to be change. And there's got to be change in our lives. There's got to be fruit. There's got to be evidence. And I know I sat there thinking, Man, am I doing enough? Like, is there a certain guideline of works per week? works per month? Am I doing enough? Can I be better in a, a situation, in a relationship or a coworker? Please don't get frustrated. We are all on this journey together. We are all on this and know that when we, in the name of Jesus, serve others, that he is being worshiped and glorified. 
to the point that I'm going to... Oh, I won't get there yet. The verse 20 says, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And I love that one of my commentaries for foolish says that it refers to a deficiency that is intellectual. So is that the new, you know, proper way to say that someone's pretty dumb? Is that they are deficient in their intelligence? Don't use that, guys. But my pastor said I could. Um, but here's James saying, are you foolish? Like, that? do you need evidence? So he's going to give us evidence, and we're going to look at that the next two weeks. So he mentions Abraham and Rahab. And Abraham, here is the father of the Hebrew people. Here is a godly man. Here is a main character in the life uh, of the Old Testament who is going to show us by his works the faith that he has. And don't you love this about God that then James mentions Rahab. Here's Rahab who is living in sin, a prostitute, who we are going to also see but in her faith that there are works that comes. And so God takes all of us. Amen? So we're going to look at that the next couple of weeks. But faith apart from works is useless. I was talking about how much, you know, do we need to do one a day? Is it a hundred a day? Like what's, where's our guideline? Don't overthink that. Uh, look for opportunities to serve because when we serve, we are glorifying God and He is served to the point that I want to end with this with a story of a woman who called our church who was saved because of you physically. She was ready to end her life. And it was an act of God by what we as a church did. So back with our Thanksgiving baskets, our Christmas baskets, and we're pretty sure this was the Christmas basket time, and we had to change things up. Jennifer Crispell, we were working on all these things to, you know, we can't really do all the regular build the food baskets, deliver them to people, pray with them. Like we had to change things up. So we, we used a lot of gift cards. And instead of the turkeys and bread and milk, we gave gift cards plus the boxes of food. Well, at the senior apartments, they were super on lockdown and went to one particular grocery store. So Mary found out what grocery store that was. And went, then we got gift cards only for this community. And we were able to go in and hand these gift cards out. This woman called us this week and she said this, that she was ready to end her life. Uh, COVID had shut things down. She couldn't be with family. The depression, the loneliness overwhelmed her. And she was ready to be done with this world. And there was a knock on the door and a gift card. And that gift card gave her enough hope that things were going to be okay. So a gift card. I think we can kind of give gift cards, right? That's pretty easy. But please don't dismiss the power and the glory of God in our willingness to serve others. It could be a smile. It could be a simple nod of a stranger in in a store. Whatever it looks like, don't think you have to be some super missionary, some super servant, you know, that gives every ounce and every moment of your life. That would be great. But know that when we are willing and when we are able and when we are obedient, God's going to use that and multiply um, our service. That's the, that's the even bigger and better picture of all of this that James is saying. It's not just a rule thing of make sure that your works are showing. 
there's, it's because God's going to use that. It's because God's going to, you're going to be able to be his hands and feet to those in need. Something simple, something dramatic, like a, a lifelong commitment to ministry or missions, whatever that scale is, we need to be obedient. There needs to be work because God loves us and we love Jesus as our Lord and Savior. There's going to be change and there's lots of work for us to do. Let's not get so bogged down on that, but know that on the flip side, that God is going to use everything that we have. And when we are obedient to share that with others and with him as we glorify him, please close with me in prayer. Father, I thank you for this time that we have to continue to look at your word, continue to work through James of seeing that if we truly have faith in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, if we have truly allowed you to mold us and to make us and to be willing and more obedient to a change in our life, Father, let us go all in. And there's so much ahead of us. And sometimes we get bogged down with frustration and we don't want to, we're not where we want to be. And Father, life is overwhelming. But please remind us, please show us your work. Please reveal yourself to us in really cool, small ways, some big ways, knowing that you love and adore us. And in that relationship, we have opportunities to serve others in your name. And there are people that are lost and desperate for hope, desperate for grace and love that only you can provide. Father, help us to look for those ways to serve you and to serve others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.